It's July 1st, It's July 1st, 2009, and this is Idle Thumbs 32. And I'm Chris Remo. And I'm Nick Brecken. Hi. And I'm Jake Rodkin. Cool. Sweet. We're back already. This is like a total of four podcasts in the seven or eight day period. Or, you know, yeah. Cass and Blast. Yeah. Cass- it's our E3 spectacular. Just Cass and like Blast, the sequel, the sequel to uh, Ghouls and Ghosts and, right. or Ghosts and Goblins, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Cass and Blast. Yep. We'll be back next generation with Supercasts and Blasts. Sweet. Yeah. Only for the PSP. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> what are we talking about? Nothing. Um, We're talking about computer and video games. Yeah. Right. I want to I lead off by theme. announcing that I've, I'm I'm in the middle of like a two-day game of Luminous uh, that I've been playing. I uh, It's really horrible. What brought that on? Nothing. I was literally... It's not deliberate at all. I, I just... Uh, I was like, I'm just going to play one game. Before. I'm going to play a game of Luminous before I go to bed. And so I started a game, um, on the Steam version on my PC, and so I don't, I don't have to turn off my computer or anything. And so I, uh, I played through, and I, and it was, I started at probably like 11 or 12 or something at night, and uh, I kept playing, and then all of a sudden I realized it was like 5 a.m., and I was still playing the same game. And I had long, I had eclipsed my high score by a fucking huge amount and kind of gotten into that, that rhythm with puzzle games where you sometimes get where the game stops actually getting harder. Like you've reached the maximum speed right. or whatever they do to make the game more difficult. And so I'm kind of just playing a perpetual motion machine at this point and just kind of bring my score up. And I don't want to quit the game. Wait, so you still have you still have Luminous running on your yes, PC? Yes, it's in, running in, right in, now. In addition to when you and Nick were playing Trine, yes. Luminous was just minimized in the <laughs> yes, background? Yes, All right. Yeah. And so my Steam rating is through the roof right now because Luminous has been running overnight uh, and through the day. So I don't really... I have, I'm up to like... Totally gaming your rating there. It's not on purpose at all. I feel like a douche, but uh, I don't want to quit. Like I want to... I, I'm, I keep hoping I'll lose the game, but I can't bring myself to deliberately lose the game. So You're I'm just that good. I well, it's not getting any harder, and I'm so I'm just kind of, you know, I'm at mm. three million points or so. I have no idea if that's actually a good Luminous score or not, but it's it's definitely it's like average. Most people play like seven day games. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely taking me like, hours to to reach that fucking number, and so uh, I don't really know what to do. I guess I can't play any more Steam games until I lose this game. Um, so that sucks. That's an update of what's going on in my life. <laughs> Jake is writing something down. Writing the name of the game that you just said so I can put it on the website. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I write down the games we discuss so that I can publish them. Oh, okay. Well, that's a peek into the the inner workings. A little behind the scenes look. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But yeah, as Jake alluded to, Nick and I also played some co-op Trine demo. Yeah. That was pretty fun. It was fun. Except that you can control who I am. (laughs) Right. Yeah, player one gets priority over choosing characters. Both players can choose... Can you know? Can switch characters whenever they want, um, as in as in the single player. Except, yeah, the first player one can steal the character from player two. So if player two is playing as the fucking wizard, uh, play I can just hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, hypothetically, you know, if Nick if Nick immediately chose the wizard at the beginning of the game, 
I theoretically could have immediately stolen the wizard from him and kept playing him for the rest of the demo. That could happen as well, you know. Yeah, it's possible. When I when I came in, Nick was the wizard. Yeah, I let him be the wizard. He was, after he a while. was crushing people with cubes. <laughs> I let him be the wizard. Yeah. <laughs> nice. No, I'm it's playing like the wizard. Right I'll now. let you play. <laughs> yeah. Did we talk about the Trine demo in the last episode? No. no. Oh man, it it's really good. Out, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah people should talk about Trine because it. I didn't know a whole lot about it, even though we've talked about it. And seeing it, I want it. Right. Yes. Yeah. We we we. Talk, or at least I had talked about trying quite a bit, at least towards sort, of, sort of more last year. I think last I zoned year. out when you were talking towards, about yeah, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> wizard. Oh, Jake's like, oh, my God. I love the wizard. <laughs> yeah, I think towards the end of last year, we talked about trying a fair amount. But now the demo is actually out and the full game is coming out. It's coming out on Steam, I guess, next week or maybe the following week. And then PS3, like to be next week, yeah. a week after that or but something. I don't know. Next week. Yeah. It's a co-op fantasy platformer with a grappling hook. And a wizard. And a wizard. Yeah. Like, yeah. what else do you need? It's kind of like the three Vikings in that you can switch between these three characters. The three, the Lost Vikings? The Lost I'm Vikings. sorry, Lost Vikings, yeah. And uh, they each the have Lost different... Lost Caballeros. Right. They each have different abilities so that the wizard can, can create uh, <laughs> objects. Like, right. you draw them on the screen with the mouse mm. or, I guess, with an analog stick. Um, and it, then it's, you can inspi- also it's inspired items. by that by that Peter Molyneux demo, the room. <laughs> you, you draw you draw a square, and then a cube is spawned. Yeah. Yes. It's funny because that this is basically. I mean, the room was basically just doing this. That's what's funny about the room. <laughs> exactly. That, you know, some of the aspects of that demo were really impressive, the portal stuff. Mm-hmm. But the actual, you know, the item creation stuff was literally just Someone you make a box, a square with a mouse, <laughs> and then a cube is spawned. Like, right. Well, that's like, just, okay. Well, an opera goes back a page. Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Uh, um, you know, but trying to, it's really good. It's got that feeling. It's all physics driven. All the puzzles are physics driven. So in a lot of cases, you can solve the puzzles multiple ways using different characters. As long as your character and that ability can make this object to get from point A to point B or interact in these ways. Yeah. Playing, playing from a single player perspective, it's, it's almost closest to little big planet in a way. I mean, in the way that it, it has a similar flow. Yeah. And I mean, it's, feel, there aren't yeah. quite as many physics you know, right. driven puzzles, but, right. but it, it sort it's of not has like the that whole same, world isn't constructed out right. of it's like not, floaty things. Yeah, there's not like goofy right. things or anything, right. but it's it's it has that same kind of pacing to it. Um, yeah, watching really watching good. you guys co op through it, even though the sort of movement and mechanics are different, it looked a lot like Little Big Planet when the two of you were sort of hopping over a sort yeah. of uh, spinning, rotating platform, right. and one yep. person falls in the spikes, and it's like, oh, it right. respawns back. It's like, yeah. oh, I, I remember enjoying this earlier. Yeah, yep. it is similar to Little Blue Planet in the way, and it's and the game only has only has a local co-op at launch, mm-hmm. so it's even, I mean, it's, and that's, I know Little Big Planet obviously has online co-op, but my main memory of it is local. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got that sense of kind of being there with, with one of your friends and just kind of doing goofy stuff. Um the, I think there's only been a demo of the PC version, and, and so on that you can play um, either two controllers or a controller and then a mouse and a keyboard, which is what we did. Um, yeah, but I, he, I walked in, it was this weird like right. like melding of worlds with Chris sitting there <laughs> right. playing on the mouse and keyboard and then Nick <laughs> sitting in a chair. At first I thought he was looking at the TV and then I, he was just he was using a 360 controller to right. play a computer which i mean obviously you can do that but it's, yeah 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 it, it's still weird me out whenever i see same screen co-op or one person is mouse and keyboarding it and one person has the wireless 360 remote right remote yeah he was using you know, the they're, they're watching a dvd yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it worked well it was i was actually um uh <laughs> you kids and your remote controls <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was actually impressed by by the uh how i don't know thankfully easy it was to set up co-op i mean it was really yeah, easy was, we had the nice. controller plugged in we just went to the menu said player two and then he was in there and it recognizes the 360 one it even has images of the actual 360 controller itself that pop up in the game 
and then same with mouse and keyboard as well. So they, they actually thought of that, which is nice because some developers don't. Although it still has the thing where you go into the mapping and it says right, like, join right, button right. to, right, right, which is right. like B or whatever. But presumably most people stick to the default anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. It was interesting. It was a very different experience than playing the single player. I'd played through the single player demo twice. And so that was very much about figuring out what you have to do with the puzzles and, you know, solving each of them as you come to them. Whereas in the co-op, I think probably you'd played through the demo as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were kind of just, we were kind of just running through it. And, yeah. and uh, it was, it was pretty fun. It was just kind of like a, a uh, a very fluid playthrough. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see how it plays when when neither player has actually played the game before. Yeah, you know, in co-op. Um, but I highly rec. I mean, I highly recommend checking out this demo. It's really really fun. I was very glad that it was good because I'd told people to look forward to it on the podcast. Right. So I was sort of relieved that it's actually such an incredibly well made, uh, polished, fun, clever game. I mean, it's a really good game design. Yeah, all around. It's it's hard to yeah. criticize too many. It, it really is. Yeah. Points about it. Yeah. Even even the voice acting, you know, which is something that's yeah. usually a throwaway in a project like this. It's not amazing, but it's good. Like kind of you know, yeah, nicely put together little voiceovers and kind of goofy and funny and yeah. Not I like the not, fact that it was sort of a narration. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Not goofy in a in, a, in an over the top goofy way, but just kind of lighthearted is a better word. Yeah. It's just kind of a you know whimsical. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got a good art direction. It's nice and colorful and very clean, which I always like. Um, so it's uh, very, very cool. It's uh, Frozen Bite. You can pre-order it now on Steam for 30 bucks, and it comes with um, Shadowgrounds, which was yeah. their, I think their first game, actually, um, which I talked about, actually, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, Top-down shooter. Yeah, coincidentally, because I didn't know it was going to be included with Trine, but uh, yep, it's good. For some reason, this game is $40 if you buy it through the publisher, but 30 right. if you buy it on Steam. I yes. don't really know what the deal with that is, but... Uh, but get it on Steam, I guess. That's yeah. publishers for you. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It seems like an odd move. Yeah. Maybe that one has a cloth map or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, no, it's online. The online. Oh, yeah, it's a digital distribution. Digi yeah. Maybe, I mean, they has, are maybe it has a JPEG of a cloth map. <laughs> <laughs> a photograph. Yeah. Oh, like a, yeah. Cell phone photo of a cloth map. <laughs> we made a prototype of this, but. Yeah. And it doesn't. And that version doesn't come with Shadowgrounds either, I don't think. Right. So. Yeah, no, it doesn't, yeah. I don't think. Huh. Anyway, trying pretty awesome. Definitely check it out. It's really cool, and it would be nice to see uh, to see it do well for this developer. Yes. Um. So there's that. Oh, and then as a quick note, um, I uh, just as a heads up, I was on the Gamers with Jobs conference call podcast. I don't really know. That's probably already up by now. I don't. I don't really know when they when they're planning on putting it up. But uh, I did that this weekend. It was fun dropping wizard references left and right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was inter it was funny. Those, it's uh, those guys do a much a much scoops. more straight laced podcast than we do yeah. in a lot of ways. So uh, it was an interesting experience getting the different, you know, being on the, uh, a show with a different angle, having to act like a normal human being, right? Exactly, instead of a complete, instead of a complete asshole. Yeah, yeah right. What, how does that what we became? What is, what's wrong? I don't with know. Us? That wasn't our goal originally. No. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I know, I'm a normal guy according to the forums. Yeah, Nick's the resident normal John guy. John Q video games, according yeah. to some. Yeah. <laughs> really? What forum was that? Our forum? Our forum, yeah. They, described they were like, Jake's bird noises and, and funny stuff and Remo's something or else. And I, I was, Nick, John Q video games. <laughs> I was like, great. <laughs> That's good. That's pretty yeah. funny. Little do they know that you're like the chief proponent of the baboo and all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Nick, Nick most is actual like actual weird yeah. shit. Nick, just, Nick is the one who does it when the microphones aren't turned on and then <laughs> just makes us start saying it. Right. Nick is very surreptitious about it, but he's probably the biggest proponent of weird, surreal shit yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> You'd never know. He yeah. hides behind a facade of John Q video game. Whereas <laughs> yep. I hide yeah. behind a facade of Big Bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, of the legend of Big Bird's bones, yeah. at least. Yeah. Someone, someone on some forum, I don't know, it was Gaffer our forums or email or something, 
is concerned about your self-image, I think, at this point. I know. <laughs> due, to the, due to the Big Bird situation, which seems to have ballooned out of control. It's okay. Yeah. Big Bird Gate. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's Big Bird Gate. Oh, nine. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Weird. Any awesome mm. stuff you've been playing besides StarCraft 2? Mm. I've been playing Dungeon Keeper 2. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. That's really uh, out of the Such blue. a... I don't know. Actually, I was, I was talking about it on... Um, online and somebody said oh that game's bullshit the original is so much better which it probably is come to think of it so i'm gonna have to try and play that but uh dungeon Ke- just just i just love dungeon keeper i, I don't know there's just something about it it's the john g- q video game. all right <laughs> <laughs> sorry keep going <laughs> but no just i god i what a great game i have nothing yeah. really constructive to say about it except that i just i'm really glad that i'm going back to that one Bullfrog, honestly, that was an amazing studio. Yes. They yes. made some some great, great games. Yeah, it's really sad that they're gone. I mean, yeah. I guess they were working on a Dungeon Keeper 3. Oh, were point. they? I didn't yeah. know that. And just, you know, it went away. But Yeah. That's too bad. That's actually... Molyneux. Uh, yeah. Milo colon Dungeon Keeper 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's horrible. Yes. It's horrible. <laughs> actually, it didn't sound horrible until I said it. <laughs> Sorry. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's funny because it's like you can see all these Molyneux, you know, ideas in Dungeon Keeper, but they're just, you know, kind of coded in a game that is fun. <laughs> and like, could you, could, uh, could you like expand any of those? Well, funny, just like there's a little hand that you can slap, you can slap the yeah. imps around. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. but, there, but you don't get like good or bad points for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just right. like a thing that actually, you know. Yeah. Um, it's funny how you really can't, almost can't put in any kind of um, sort of morally, um, I don't know, yeah, a value, uh, like a, a moral evaluation of any kind in a game without assigning it to points yeah. or yeah. like putting it on a slider or, yeah. a, or like a meter or a scale. Like you can't just have actions it's actually anymore more, that, I, are, that, are, yeah. that are sort of good or bad in any, in any... It's strangely more effective to me, I think, when there aren't points. When right. I find myself well, not, you're not slapping my dudes because it's, it seems strangely right. cruel when yeah when there's no well, and you're, when there's no and you're goal not of getting it. a lightning spell right as that's a what I'm saying yeah it. like there's no point to do that like right. slap my dudes around but what if there was <laughs> and yeah. that's like ten years later I have to say Pikmin's a game that I it's not quite the same because this this is more of of a reflection on your performance as opposed to a choice you make but Pikmin is a game that's really good at making you feel really really bad for losing. Mm your little troops right but but not you know you're not getting like guys not popping up and being like you're doing a bad job like there's right. no like right it's like but then pikmin wrangler right exactly yeah. right you're not Lemmings getting an achievement like too, or something of. for for doing it correctly or incorrectly i mean but it's just really good at within the context of the game organically making you really want to protect those guys and feeling really horrible when you when you let them down and, and they die i mean it's it's really cool and i i uh, i like when you see the haunting image of their ghost on screen yeah, for a second. it's really effective. Why did you kill me, Chris? Why did you <laughs> Why did you let that huge ladybug eat me? Yeah. Why? In the era of crazy, uh, of crazy Natal and and like VR shit, they will actually come out of your screen and haunt you. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you try to sleep, but then the the, the Pikmin are all you know. You yeah. look up and they're sort of oh, on man. your bookshelf. <laughs> by the way, uh, completely by chance. Nick and uh, and Jake heard a uh, a reprise of the uh, ridiculous sound that woke me up oh, yeah. that I'd talked oh, yeah. about I being terrified by because it, it really did sound like the Silent Hill yes, soundtrack. It, did. it just sort of like just leapt out of your computer. Yeah, yeah, there was a beat to it and everything. It was uh, it was it was fucked up. It's a crazy, just this this amazing, horrible, like tortured metal and yeah, electronics, I mean, it, yeah. like 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like a human heart plus like the pause theme to Battletoads plus like force for <laughs> like electric bandsaws like, like falling like, off of a yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus pyramid head just sawing off your yeah, face. Yeah. It really, the, it, it was happened. Terrifying. There were two separate sounds that occurred about a minute apart. Yeah. And the second one seriously sounded like yeah. pyramid head was fucking all up in here. It was, it was pretty horrifying. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad I wasn't asleep at that point. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that happened. There's an update. We wish we had a recording of it for yeah. you, but we don't. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, cool. Just, just imagine the worst, the worst sound. <laughs> <laughs> the most terrifying sound. Just imagine that. You'll, you're, you're there. Yeah. There was like a thousand iPhones sitting next to a speaker. That digital noise like <laughs> amplified right. yeah, until the speaker actually sitting fell next apart. to a Marshall full stack. Yeah. yeah. On overdrive. Um, cool. Anything else we've been playing, Nick? Um. Yes, but I don't remember what. <laughs> awesome. Good times. I saw I guess one thing I can mention is I uh I went and saw Dragon Age on Friday mm, and I yeah. talked to I talked to Ray Muzika of BioWare. And um the main I, the main purpose of the interview is actually not so much about Dragon Age so much as it was about the uh merger between not not merger but the reorganization that puts uh Mythic and BioWare under the same right reporting structure. Uh, BioWare. Yeah, what did I say? Oh no, nothing. Oh. That's that's the name of their it's not so much a merger as putting Mythic and <laughs> Mythic and Bioware under the new Bioware umbrella. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that's the way it sort of comes off. But I, you know, Musica was pretty firm on saying that's not the case. Um, although he is in charge of the whole thing. Right, it's not like that. <laughs> it's, yeah, silence. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but it, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. It's it's definitely, I think, probably not a bad thing. I mean, I mean, I guess the only. Potentially bad part is that Mythic could get possibly like their influence could be minimized considering there are three Bioware studios, only one Mythic studio. I don't know. But uh, in general, it seems like a good thing. I mean, I think the idea of pairing up studios based on the genres that they're exclusively devoted to makes a lot more sense than than doing it on based on some other arbitrary uh, yeah, sure. connection. I mean, certainly more sense than like Bioware Pandemic, which was a really odd pairing. I mean, mm -hmm. I you know, and it seems – I mean – those companies really have nothing to do with one another other than that at, you know, at the time they were successful independent studios. Um, but Bioware Mythic seems to make sense. I mean, those guys can swap, uh, info about MMO, uh, kind of logistics and design and all that kind of stuff. They, I don't know. They're, they're, they have more similar goals yep. and, uh, the Bioware guys are certainly smart. I mean, they know how to run a company. Yes. Um, but another note, I also played Dragon Age on both PC and console and I have to say, I'm a little more optimistic about that game than I have been traditionally. Um, I'm still, I still am of the, I'm of the expectation that the apparent like give a spell book to a female sorceress and and then she'll have sex with you like component is a little preposterous and retarded. Yeah, uh, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be basically how it works. Uh, Nick, would would you agree or disagree with that assessment? Well, I, I mean, I think you have to give her like ten spell books, but essentially that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Nick, you've got a little more experience with the ladies. Uh, <laughs> oh the, man, the ladies there's, of Dragon Age. There's the an ladies, amazing, the there's an amazing of bit Age. of narration in Trine uh, about oh, yeah. the wizard and the ladies. So I'll just splice that in right here. You see, the wizard had a certain reputation with the ladies. And uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Dragon Age. So. The stuff I played did not include that component, so I don't know. Yeah. I can't really say any more about they it. They only then. actually gave you nine. Was it the um, <laughs> was it the elf intro area? Was that kind of what? you... I don't know. What do you? Oh, you have to know. be more specific than that, man. Well, I mean, it, 
the, what I played. Elf, what I played at E3 three. was just like you start out as an elf in the woods. Oh no, no, it wasn't that at all. Dungeon, okay. It was it was a boss. It was a boss battle kind of area, and okay. then uh, actually two different boss battles. I played one of them on PC and one on console. Mm. And I have to say, I was really, really, really impressed mm. by how different. Uh, Nick, you you may have had similar experience. How different of a game this was on PC and console mm, yeah. from from an interface and control standpoint. Yeah, I was extremely impressed by that because when I saw this game at at GDC. Uh, which was which was went pretty early in in terms of their their demonstrating the game, but not that long ago, uh, they were basically still saying, yeah, we're kind of starting to think about what the console interface is going to be like and kind of how the controls are going to work. And I'm like, wow, that that's that seems like you're cutting it pretty close, uh, considering the PC version is already so far along. But they really have turned this into like very platform specific games, mm-hmm. and very few people do that anymore. I mean, I was really impressed with the PC port of Mass Effect. But this is like a, a level of magnitude beyond that in terms of, of the distinction. I mean, the PC game is a full-on, like, Baldur's Gate style, top-down, like, tactical view. Or, if you want, you can zoom you in. You can switch. You right? can zoom into the, the – clo- I mean, it's smooth zooming. It's not, like, switching, per se. Yeah. But you can, you know, zoom in with the mouse wheel and get up close and play it more like Mass Effect or something. Um, so it's got – the PC has kind of got that whole range. And then the console is more of like just the, the, the Mass Effect kind of thing where you've got like an action RPG thing. You're behind the shoulders. You can zoom out a bit, but you can't really get that full tactical PC view. You can't go right. into the, the pause mode where you have a cursor and you're assigning actions to each guy. But it kind of feels like it's maybe the right route to not have that on the console version because they they really stripped it down to what actually makes sense with a controller. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was really impressed. It really they, they totally redesigned all the buttons and how everything looks and is arranged on the screen. Like it definitely it definitely confirmed I want to play this game on the PC for sure. But yeah. it also it also confirmed that it's you know someone who's port. right someone who's familiar with the Mass Effect model uh, of that kind of RPG on a console is going to probably be able to pick this up immediately. I mean, I mean on the PC version, you have about 10 buttons aligned on the on the bottom of the screen. And then right, your hotkeys, uh, on, yeah. on the console, the three face buttons on, on the on the front each have three spells. And then there's a, a toggle for three right, two more. Pages, right? And then there's yeah. a button for health. So re- you, you've got about seven of those 10. Right. So, I mean, you're not losing much. Right. So, but yeah, it, but it, the, the, the layout of the interface is hugely different, though. Yeah. Like that, you've got the rate on the on the console one. It's a radial menu for actions, right. whereas on the PC you've got kind of bindable hotkeys and then like yep. the traditional grid kind of stuff. Um, they just look very different when you see them running side by side, which I did. They're just it, it's really surprising how different they look, and I was really impressed. That's cool. I, I was also really impressed. They did a really cool. I don't Nick, I didn't see the the E3 demo, so mm-hmm. um, I don't know if they did this or not. But one really cool thing they did at the event, they had two guys on PCs on opposite sides of the room, both playing the game at the same time. And then each of those PCs was going out to a monitor and the monitors were side by side. And we were seeing them play the exact same parts of the game, but with different characters in their party and just seeing the different things that would happen Mm. and the different dialogue options that would be presented and the different responses NPCs would have. And I've never seen someone present an RPG like that, but it makes a lot of sense because that's a selling point for a lot of RPGs. And uh, it was really cool. It was, I mean, there were some considerably different dialogue paths that pop up depending on who's in your party and what kind of character you you're playing yeah um and it was cool to see that to see that going on and actually get a sense of you know it really brought to mind to me the um nick if you remember were you on staff at Chuck when oblivion came out yet god i don't think so yeah do, well, okay but you were you were obviously a reader um do you do you remember every day we put up those those oblivion chatty those oblivion yes. chat threads yep yeah it's 
it was really interesting. Uh, Ray was saying they're really – he didn't obviously mention Shaq News, but he was – you know, he's saying they're really trying to foster that kind of environment with Dragon mm-hmm. Age where they've got this situation where it's this huge world where all these things can happen. You can explore this big world and all these and, – and have these different characters and all different kinds of dialogue and plot points can occur. And they're really trying to encourage that water cooler-like – Discussion where people go on their forums, either the official forums or their or the their favorite, you know, other other sites and and discuss all these things that happen. And I, it really reminded me of that of that period of, it felt like months on Shack, where every day we had these threads with just hundreds and thousands of people commenting and saying, "Oh man, I just got to this part and this happened," and then someone else saying, "Oh man, that's not what happened to me." And uh, it was a really cool, it was a really amazing uh, kind of phenomenon to sit there and witness. And it was. Um, it's interesting to see a developer deliberately trying to target that. Uh, they're trying to tie in a lot of stuff to the into the game itself, so you can uh, sort of tie in uh, like social aspects into the game if you want. In some way, I, I couldn't get firm answers onto what exactly they're doing with that, but it sounds like they're really trying to take it as far in the direction that it's actually built for that purpose that you can get while still being a single player game. You know, obviously, it's not you're not going to be playing multiplayer co-op or anything. Um, but it was just a really interesting philosophy that, that he was talking about. And especially on the PC version with all of the user-created uh, campaigns, mm-hmm. you know, they're already right now, they already have those tools in the hands of beta testers and they're, there's already content being created for this game. And they're planning on highlighting the best user mods and campaigns and modules. And uh, I don't know, I guess I just feel more confident about this game than I was before because it really seems like they're taking the right attitude to it. I don't, I don't, I'm still not, yeah. The actual setting, setting is, not, is dubious, but it's, right, there's a lot exactly. of cool ideas in there. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Um, cool. The, the, the development attitude is the right one, at least. Yeah. You know, yeah. Even if the, the settings are, is not necessarily my favorite. So, that, so that's Dragon Age. I don't know. We'll have to see how it shapes up. But I, I, liked, I liked the stuff they were saying. I think they're approaching it the right way. Um, cool. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Yeah. You see the certain reputation with the ladies we're back hey hey whoa so nick when you came over today uh, we we're waiting for jake you were playing the uh the doom game on iphone yeah doom resurrection how did is you, it did you beat did it did you get resurrected <laughs> i did not beat it did i you resurrect uh, something no were you resurrected no was anything resurrected not really Do- doom so, was resurrected that's true they've resurrected yes. doom on the iphone on the iphone all right so how was this resurrection of doom um, it's a point and shoot game. Meaning what? <laughs> like, like it's like a light gun. And well, you yeah. Oh really? It, it doesn't. It doesn't use some well, derivation of the Wolfenstein controls. No, weird. You um, basically, it, it looks really good for an iPhone game. Obviously, the tech is pretty nice. But other than that, it's it's an on rail shooter, and there's kind of a clever aiming system. There, there's a there's a cursor in the middle of the screen and it calibrates and the aiming is all based on the accelerometer. Um, is like that awkward did, to play? He, he just did hand motions of moving the iPhone around. <laughs> I know, but all right. Well, you know, you, you hit the calibrate button, it puts the cursor in the middle. And, and from cast. that point on, uh, you know, it's all based on how you're tilting. Right. Um, and it actually, you know, works pretty well. And then there's a shoot button on the right and a reload button. And that's the game. You, you, you aim your thing and shoot, Doom three zombies. All right, so that's Doom Sounds on the essential. iPhone. Yeah, it's it's. A, 
<laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. But you didn't beat it. No. So I can't really resurrect. I can't really review it. But uh fair enough. Three out of five. Yeah. All when right. I when I beat it, I would estimate that would be my score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all right. All right, well, this, that was a great downbeat way to <laughs> yeah, begin yeah. this segment. Was way less exciting played, than I thought it was gonna be. I played Doom. <laughs> <laughs> um cool. All right. Well, all right. Before I forget, I wanna also mention go see Moon. The fucking movie. <laughs> nice. uh, that's another thing. You just said Goatsy Moon. Goatsy, Goatsy Moon, a film. <laughs> Go see Moon.ca. Yeah. This is another thing that, like Trine, I was I was building up without really any any real evidence one way or the other. Um, I'm two for two because Moon is goddamn badass. Um, I saw it amazingly without having seen a single trailer. Yeah, don't watch the trailer. If you can, yeah, if you still haven't seen a trailer and you can I avoid it, don't see the trailer, but do see the movie and it will pay off big time for you. Even if you have seen the trailer, see it anyway because it was awesome. Jake and I saw it. think Nick is seeing it maybe tonight. Yep. Yep. Spoiler, a moon is in it. Ah. <laughs> Ruined. Shit. It is cool. It's really awesome. It makes the moon part of Mass Effect even lamer. Um, <laughs> in comparison, just tying, it, tying it into a video game yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, IGN.com. Um, so yeah, there's some some housekeeping yeah. to get out of the way. Cool. Um, moving on. Moon check. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So one thing I meant to talk about last week that I completely forgot to talk about, and I uh, I feel really bad about forgetting, is a game called Ah. A reckless disregard for gravity. Mm. I don't know how these guys expect people to talk about their game. Um, it's uh, it's a base jumping game uh, for PC by a small studio out of Boston called Dejabon, and they make Dejabon. Dejabon. Oh, okay. And they make uh, yeah, they're really interesting. I I really actually didn't know about these guys until they released <laughs> their demo for this game, and. Uh, they're for fascinating. Ah. For ah, right. It's it's got like twenty three A's in it or something, but the abbreviated version has five A's, I think. Um then some exclamation points. You know what's funny about that actually? We did a news post and yeah. I, I think Chris Baylor wrote it and it, he put the whole title in there. Right. And then we are our our Shack News news is syndicated to um Hard OCP on their the little like right. widget thing and right. it completely broke their page <laughs> and they were like please just dis destroy this news item now our website is broken <laughs> please must destroy news item <laughs> becoming overrun <laughs> yeah the a's yeah. So, it, just, it keeps making me think of our real monsters yeah, yeah, right, yeah everyone thing. in the world yeah, thinks that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's one of the comments i saw was does this game have real monsters in it <laughs> um, it has free monster samples yeah <laughs> oh god you grow them in the Digimon. Uh, Jesus <laughs> yeah, it Christ. Digimon. It says Digimon. But anyway, the studio is really interesting. They basically make they basically make um, weird little independent PC games. Uh, they've made like 13 games so far uh, over the years. They've been around about 10 years. Um, they started off making mobile games and now they just make PC games. And they're really, really cool. They're, they have this really um, overt like... Man, Jake's cracking up now. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, they've got this really overt, like, indie sensibility that's really different from the kind of current trendy indie sensibility, which is uh, kind of like yeah. 2D piano music minimal right. minimalism. It's kind of the, <laughs> right. the, uh, the like, Blueberry Garden yeah. style game, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, even Braid, you could sort of put in that category. That kind of very overtly artsy right. um, kind of philosophical type of indie game. Uh, th this is funny because this is also a company that makes very, very... Uh, in your face indie stuff, but the totally other end of the spectrum. I mean, they make really kind of brash, 
like freewheeling crazy shit with all sorts of just weird goofy crap in it but it's really well it's very well made and polished and clean it's not it's not like a buggy crappy game mm-hmm. i mean it's a really nice product um but it's got a really great it's got a really great loose aesthetic to it that that works really well and it's the kind of game where as you're playing it you can tell the guys making it just had a ridiculously good time and and just um they were inspired to make this game after watching some base jumping videos on YouTube. Like that's, that's where this game came from. They're like, Oh man, that's rad. We should make a game out of that. So they did. Uh, It's a pretty, it's a pretty simplistic game in terms of the basic mechanic. You jump off the top of the building and hurdle to the ground and uh, dodge buildings and, and, and um, fall really close to buildings to build up your combo multiplier. And um, you get more, you, you can get points on a high score list and the higher you do, the more, uh, teeth you unlock and the more teeth you get you can unlock more levels and items that you get teeth teeth like presumably from hitting the ground i don't know right it's, yeah go ahead. you know it's all the game hall it's <laughs> not visually graphic in any way but the whole game has this really hilarious right. uh like extreme kind of Damn. like uh x games kind of right. vibe to it it's it's pretty good um and uh it sounds really simplistic and it is kind of simplistic but i, f- I for some something about it is very very appealing to me it's got I um I really like spatial mechanics in video games, things having to do with jumping or or movement in an interesting way. I find that like a really interesting aspect of of uh, game design and game mechanics, and this game does that well. And and it's it's also got that nice um, kind of compelling aspect of collecting more stuff, unlocking more things, progressing forward through this slate of levels, um, and uh, unlocking more items that you can buy. It's just really fun. I don't. It's hard to describe, but I'd recommend giving it a shot. What it's, was its full name again? Ah, uh, a reckless disregard for gravity. Yeah. And um, you can you can download the demo. It has nine levels or something. One really cool thing they're doing. The game's going to be sold for twenty five dollars when it's eventually released later this year. But if you buy if you buy their alpha release for fifteen dollars, you get the full game free when it comes out, and you also get ongoing development builds as they Crazy. as they create cool. the game. Um, and you get a thirty a thirty level demo rather than a nine level demo. Do they request that you submit bugs? They don't, but they. I mean, you are allowed to. You pro- they probably appreciate it, but they don't. You're paying for it, so they're probably not right. attaching any requirements for what you do. But but I mean, you are getting a discount on the game, and you are getting stuff immediately. You know, it's not like a pre order where you have to wait. Um, so I did that. I, I paid fifteen bucks. Also, it's the kind of studio where it seems worthwhile to support. Like they 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 they. I don't know. They seem like a really cool bunch of guys just making cool stuff. Uh, their previous game, uh, the most recent thing they did before this was a Katamari clone of all things. Actually, it was a um, it was a PC uh, take on the on the mechanic in Katamari Damacy uh, called the Wonderful End of the World, <laughs> and it looks different. And it's and uh, and the demo is basically a Katamari ripoff. But from what I've heard, the full game actually diverges quite a bit in terms of really clever level design <laughs> and so forth, which. It's too bad because the demo doesn't really reflect that. But anyway, uh, we're an interesting studio. I'm glad I found out about them, and I'm glad I played this game, and I would recommend it. This is this is really retarded, but the thing that I was laughing at was the idea of it being uh, an octuple A game. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I had to get it out there. <laughs> That's good. That was very clever. Well done, <laughs> <Thanks>. Jake. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, you can, they can put that on the box if they want. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This game has 23 A's. <laughs> think about, think about the budget behind it. Yeah, I know. It must be crazy. Cool. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think what else happened this week or what else was cool. We recorded so many podcasts recently. I know. <laughs> I know. Kind of running out of stuff here. 
Um, have you guys played that one versus 100 thing at all? No, I don't even know what that is. No. Nope. Uh, I've heard of it, but it's I don't really know It's the Xbox Live game show. Right. Um, you yeah, I checked it? it out on Saturday a little bit. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I would say, you know, for every 30 questions I answered, I probably listened to about 30 ads for Jesus. not only not only that, but like not only the show itself, but, uh, you know, Sprint. And then they also, I, I participated in the live show, which is just once a week, and they have a, a dude come on and uh, Chris Cashman, and he's just like the host. And uh, that's when the actual game show is. Does he is. appear as video or is he like just a, he's a, an Xbox avatar. avatar? He's an avatar and then he's got, you know, there's like a little on-air thing when he actually is speaking and, you know, it's his voice. Uh, it's just voice. And then there's like the digital like chick host who says like, you know, here comes the next question. And then and then he's like, all right, now back to Chris. And then he's actually talking and that's sort of how they interact. But um, yeah, a lot of ads. And uh, I mean, it's a pretty well-constructed game show. I think a lot of people are actually going to play this. But uh, man, I don't know. Got a little tedious and then um, also kind of exposed how stupid people are, which was just <laughs> continuously yeah. like, disappointing. And, well, I don't mean to be like an no, uh, elitist asshole, but I mean, like, <laughs> God, like there was one question. It was like, uh, which famous unsinkable, you know, liner uh, sunk on blah, 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 you know, 1912. Right. And, um, you know, it was like the... La Mancha, the something or other, and then the Titanic. And I want to say, like, out of the ten thousand people, it tells you how many people out of the ten thousand, right. you know, who, you know, however many are playing got it wrong. I want to say, you know, well over half got it wrong. What? Um, Maybe those weren't. I was just playing for completely real. Completely baffled, huh? Maybe those were just dicking around. Maybe they just weren't. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I think they were trying. It cuts into their camera and it's an empty apartment with a cat <laughs> or sleeping. Yeah. Well, no, actually, the, the stupid thing about that was they were it was during the actual... Things correctly, so it was probably, during the live yeah. show and the one, the guy... What's uh, the one, the guy? The one, well, all right. The, the way it works, just briefly, because if you've yeah, listening to this, probably already know. Well... I don't know. All right. Know all right. Uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a, a one. a seal impression? <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Um... There's a one, and he is the guy who's up on stage. Okay. You know, um, he's, he's the contestant. The contestant, and then there are the hundred, which are sort of in a mob on a wall, uh, and like, they like trophy, like hunting trophies. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, That's what I thought of when you said that. And he's playing against them, and so if he gets the question right, and like fifty people get the question right in the mob, then the other fifty who didn't get it right are knocked out, and it keeps whittling down until. They all lose. And, what if and he loses? If he loses, then the money and prizes are split up between the, the remaining members of the hundred. Oh, interesting. And then there are the helps, which is when the crowd sort of participates. Everybody else who's not in the one hundred, and, and if he. But how does that work in a video game? Well, it's it's if you you can trust the crowd, and so the majority of questions, or the 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 majority answer from the crowd is the one that he, you know it's, he would then. Who wants to be a millionaire style? It's who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, so they do they code the AI crowd to sometimes be wrong. So the AI yeah, crowd, everybody the AI crowd is everyone's it's everybody else at home. So like oh, there are like the literally like fifteen thousand people just sitting there and and, and oh, what's, what's, the point of what's the point of watching a game show on TV? Well, what's the point of playing a video game instead of watching something on TV is that you get to do something. Dude, this is yeah. the Xbox experience. You can be the audience of who wants to be a millionaire. Well, the idea that is seems that, really odd. Just, it seems odd to me. Just, well, the idea is that when you're, you're participating the in the crowd, the, game at the, same time. You, the better that you do participating in the crowd, the, the more likely you are to be chosen for the one. Oh, okay. One. All right. Well, see, so that's an answer. That's, that's, that's a real and, answer. And, uh, and stuff. How but, did you think it was? Yeah, the one that like, Microsoft <laughs> emails the 100 lucky contestants, only, only 
three of them and I checked their inbox. Well, no, it could be just random. I mean, you say, I want to play, and then some people get put into the thing and some people don't. That is what it does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. That, anyway. Um, <laughs> that's just sort of how I assumed it worked the moment. Nick, like, I don't know how this game works, but I just... I know. It's just, like, it's just interesting. The concept of being a video game where you're being, like, just being a spectator as part of playing the game is just unusual. I mean, they, you have to admit, there are not many games that do that. That's not a common... No, but when... when like, from everything Nick's described, that sounded like exactly what it was. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Also, if you imagine a game that takes place on Xbox Live... Well, like, the thing that it does is... is blah, 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 blah. That's kind of nice is that it, it pairs you up with, with a group of four or, or three other people randomly. And so the, it'll show their scores at the top. Uh, and so you, you're sort of almost competing just against them. Right. Um, and so there are sort of like multiple levels of competition. Um, it's, it's a pretty silly game, though. I mean, Did most of the picked? questions are either incredibly easy or incredibly hard. You mm. know, it's like, what happened on The Tonight Show yesterday? Or, you know, what, what is a barley corn? And just like, you know, like, <laughs> like they were lugging hook. Like, they asked <laughs> so you they what happened on a specific TV show. Yeah, like, like some of them are, are, are very, very specific. Like, you know, who, what happened to... That's not even hard, per se. That's just yeah. circumstantial. That's a ridiculous question. Yeah, well, they, question. Have, they, they, have, they have a couple of events in the, in the weekend that are sort of automated questions. But one of them is community-written questions. The other one is uh, news or, you know, like recent news right. questions, you know. So, yeah. But the general stuff is all very random and you can completely, you know get hit with a question that's like you know what's hillary clinton's middle what was her first middle name and you're just like what like huh like that's not something anybody would really right, probably right, know right. like what is game yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry but the guy the guy the one missed the titanic question and it's just oh, <laughs> that's God. awesome like it's just really depressing in a way so. Yeah, well, I mean, it's nothing new. It's like, I mean, YouTube is full of clips of people making the most amazing boneheaded yeah. bullshit mistakes on on game shows. Yeah, it's uh, I enjoy that kind of thing. Yeah, actually, I don't. I kind of simultaneously enjoy it and despair. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'll watch it and I'm like, this is funny. Oh yeah. my god, I'm so sad. Well, it's funny listening <laughs> like, to the. It's it, funny it makes listen- me like genuinely depressed, <laughs> yeah, but also amused. Yeah. It's funny listening to the Chris Cashman guy come back on because he has to sort of fill the time. So, so the like real, if somebody misses yeah. the, like the first question, he comes on and he's he's probably like you know he thought oh I've got like five minutes to go get a sandwich. Then you can tell there's like a, a delay where he's like <laughs> you, you missed like, the Titanic, <laughs> and we're back. Looks like he really didn't know that question. Well, that's just too bad. Like what an idiot. <laughs> You know, just, what a douche. Yeah. People, you're idiots. Anyway, yeah. Microsoft, Xbox Live. Uh, do you get anything for winning this? I mean, what ha- do you get Well, Microsoft in the beta you don't, but when when it launches, you will uh, I think the max prize is like 4,000 Microsoft points in an Xbox Live game. It's not it's yeah, nothing that's, cool. that's I mean, it's about $100, I think is the is if you make it all the way to the end. And that happens once a week? Uh yeah, for 2 hours on Saturdays they're going to do the prizes. That's kind of cool, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's not, not going to actually play it, but you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, it seems like a cool thing it's to exist. It's a decent idea. Yeah. It's the sort of thing that you think should maybe exist if, on a 360. Maybe if people are that yeah. dumb, maybe there's a good chance of winning <laughs> something. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah, you guys want to do some reader mail from, sure. from you, the readers? Yeah. If Let's you have see. a piece of reader mail that you'd like us to read or not read, send it in to questions at idlethumbs.net. Yep. All right. Let's see here. This is going to be a short episode. Um... <laughs> Because your mail is terrible. <laughs> Jeez. All right, let's see. All right. Hi, Chris, oh, Jake, nice and possibly nice. Nick, if he's in the correct country. Uh, this is from Mark Brown. This isn't really a question. It's more of a thing. All right. The Amiga game Zool had a candy-based level and had a Chupa Chups logo everywhere. 
Oh, yeah. It totally made sense at the time to have Chupa Chups in a candy level. But looking back, that was some shameless and pervasive shit. Wow, that was uninformative, Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Actually, when we were talking about Pikmin, I was thinking of the Chupa Chups thing. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't even know what a Chupa Chup is. It's some sort of lollipop candy from a place that isn't here or that no one eats. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but it yeah. comes up It comes up as a classic product placement example. Right. Along with, like, the Cool Spot game. Right, a classic. Yeah, game. the, yeah. God, that the game. California game. Raisins game. I remember playing that cool spot game. Oh, really? Yeah, I like rented it. That game had great graphics. It did. <laughs> it, did. it did. It was actually not All a bad those, game. 9.5. Really. All those Virgin Interactive platformers yeah. from that era, like the Sega, the Sega Disney games, and uh, the Cool Spot game, all had like amazing looking background and animation. I don't know. Sorry. No, it's fine. That's those, cool. They just always stood out to me as as cool. Yeah. Sweet spot. Yeah. Hey. Product placement. Yeah. Well, there's that. Um, Ultra Boost. Boost writes, uh, hey, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. Love the cast. After listening to your pod, I've noticed your affection for adventure games, especially the story and atmosphere. However, it seems you don't pay too much attention to RPGs. How do you feel RPGs compare to adventure games in scope and story? I wonder because I'm too young to have played the classic adventure games. Thanks, guys. Boost. Um, good question, actually. Yeah. They, uh, it's funny because those are the two genres that have traditionally been most strongly associated with story in games and, and mm -hmm. probably still are for good reason. Um, and yet there's never been a lot of crossover between the audience. I mean, I'm sure a million people write in and be like, well, I certainly played. All yeah, this yeah. That's true. But I mean, traditionally, it's sort of like look enthusiast audience. Right. Yeah. They, they were, they were very different. Well, I mean, the thing about it, when you think about classic adventures, the, story the, the setting and, and and the themes and the you know they were all fairly diverse and yet when right. i think of rpgs i think of fantasy sometimes right. sci-fi yeah and, very rarely sci-fi yeah. yeah adventure games and rpgs do sort of seem the same on a really sort of weird service level because you are it's especially back 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 because it's you know a guy walking around sort of managing a collection of things working your way through a very yeah. linear I narrative mean, the farther you go back the, the more similar they are but i mean the, the big difference though is it's still Almost, almost every adventure game, especially just sort of the model for graphic adventure games, every interaction that you do uh, as you work your way through the narrative is a unique interaction. Right, right. Like you solve yeah. you solve that puzzle involving the troll uh, standing over the bridge, and the only way to do it is to get the fish uh, from the seagull and feed it to him. Right. But and that's how you that's how you move the story forward. In an RPG, it's completely not nothing like right. That. An All RPG the, is systemic. Yeah, the stories are right. yeah the stories are moved forward through repeated like, mechanics as yeah. In, yeah. as in most games. Right. Yeah. It's just the sort of surface presentation of them is the same, but once you go one step underneath, right. they're like the opposite. Right. Mm -hmm. But but it's but it's interesting though because the farther you go back, I mean, the RPGs and adventures almost were born out of the same genre. I mean, when you look back to yeah, like all, adventure, all, like Colossal of, Cave, it like, all sort of came out of Dungeons and Dragons. Well, and Dungeons and Dragons, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, they were both kind of just based on exploring maps and kind of going around and right. talking to people and so forth. And then they sort of diverged into one being a stat-based, systemically driven thing, um, and then the other uh, being, as as you say, based on basically unique interactions and verbs. And then you have, um, I mean, you have the the um, sort of like the quest, and I think for, the quest for glory the, games. That right. Sort of they, those were kind of a hybrid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're talking mainly about Western RPGs here. Like I think, yeah, mainly. But, but I mean, even older adventure games, not only Quest for Glory, but I mean, even like Monkey Island One had you had like a, a finance system, you know, or like you know, the game had money that was actually counted up numerically that you right, could earn right. and spend. Uh, but and it was think, for the purpose of pretty specific puzzles. Yeah, but I mean, right. I, I think I think that adventure game designers at that point 
thought of their games less as a sort of linear series of right. unique interactions right, right, and right. sort of like we're designing puzzles on top of this right. this, this well, world, world yeah. interaction like living world system. Certainly, Maniac you know. Mansion was, yeah, was like that. That is that sort of fell away after a right, while. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Adventure games turned into a very kind of polished, um, kind of um, straight ahead, like very. Um, just narrative kind of cinematic thing. Right, exactly, right. Yeah. right. They were trying yeah. to create essentially an interactive narrative as opposed to a a like a, a world system. Yeah. Um yeah, it's uh and that that attitude is is one that is is not as as common. I mean, it seems I would almost say other games are becoming more like adventure games in that respect. I mean, yeah. when you look at like I don't know, the third person uh, shooter genres like, like a Gears of War or something just like an an incredibly linear yeah, very like set piece driven linear design design right. encounters and set pieces that always just get strung together in the same order exactly right like, and, and even I don't yeah. have things scripted to happen the same yeah, way everyone sees that tower collapse at the exact same time exactly yeah. right yeah um which I'm not the biggest fan of outside of adventure games personally I'm yeah, I mean I also think even adventure games often the like when they aren't doing that as obviously or when they either when they're hiding it or when there actually is some sort of underlying system are often more enjoyable. To play. I agree. Sure. I agree completely. Yeah. I mean, we talked about, we talked about, uh, we talked about Lost Express a couple times on this podcast. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, not to belabor that game, but that, that's definitely very progressive in that yeah. respect. Um, some of the biggest faults of my favorite adventure games were just that they were so rigid. Right. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people's faults. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people just couldn't get into those games because they're so transparently yeah. um, deterministic. I mean, it's like you're doing, the same thing every time you play yep. and so is everyone else well that's just yeah you you instead of playing the game are sort of having a duel of wits with the imagination of the designer exactly right yeah. but right. um rpgs aren't really like that no well mm -hmm. some of them are some of them are more so than others i mean i would say japanese rpgs are closer to that yeah. than western rpgs it's funny because japanese rpgs were born out of western ones i mean they came out of the likes of of the ultimas and the and yeah. the uh mm -hmm. Like wizardry, actually. It's fun. Oh, man, you know what's crazy? I talked to Hank Rogers recently. Hank Rogers is one of the owners of Tetris. He and Alexei Pajanov are the guys who own Tetris. Uh, Hank Rogers was, if anyone's read about the early history of Nintendo and Tetris, it's fascinating stuff. Um, Hank Rogers was the guy who, who went to the Soviet Union right. and basically finagled the rights of Tetris out from under the noses of other major publishers who were simultaneously trying to acquire them. It's really fascinating. What Hank Rogers is much less known for, um, but probably equally influential for uh, equally influential as a result of is a game, an RPG he published. The first Japanese RPG was by a Dutch guy, Hank Rogers. Um, and he was called the black onyx and he published this game in Japan. And that was the game that basically uh, kicked off the Japanese RPG genre. And it's not very well remembered anymore, but I mean, he was, he was very responsible for that, that whole thing existing in the early eighties. And it was, uh, and it was, he, he, he was basing it on, on wizardry uh, mainly um i i talked to him about this recently and i asked him because i was curious and i haven't seen very much reporting or interviews on it and and uh i kind of assumed ultima he said no wizardry um and i it was fascinating because that's that's really where that, that genre was born out of that kind of western dnd heritage but it ended up diverging so much i mean the, the the western rpg genre and the japanese rpg genre are so different now that the japanese one ended up going in a much more linear direction for whatever reason mm -hmm. um being almost closer to an adventure game with turn-based battles in it um uh, and occasional open world kind of stuff um whereas the 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 western rpg uh was very much about sort of pushing the limits in terms of a like a just extremely open world, much less linear, much less explicit character definition, and a lot more kind of role playing, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so those those audiences totally diverge too. I mean, those are totally different people usually who play those games. Um, 
and those three genres, I, w- I would say, are the main kind of traditional main uh, exponents of story and games. But I mean, even now, that stuff's changing a lot. Yep. I don't know. What am I talking about? I don't I'm know. Going away off topic, but there's some stuff. We for probably you. answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, case closed. <laughs> yeah. But I, I am. Uh, I, I am really actually kind of excited about that interview eventually going up. Um, it was a crazy interview. We started off talking about that kind of stuff. I didn't really want to talk too much about Tetris because I figured that guy's talked about Tetris for yeah. his entire life at this point. But um, um, in addition to that, this guy is weird. He's one of those guys who's sort of wealthy enough now. I mean, Tetris would make anyone wealthy enough to not have to do anything for the rest of their lives. He just has all these crazy endeavors. He's trying to genuinely, genuinely trying to get an initiative going that will terraform Mars and colonize Mars. And he's actually like working on a foundation that's trying to achieve that. It's fa- it's really weird. It's a weird. He's a weird dude, but he's really interesting. That guy's had a weird life. Apparently. I know. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's he's on the board of all these different companies and charities and and like foundations. It's really fascinating. I'm really I'm excited for when we when Gamma Sutra when we eventually publish that interview because it was pretty crazy and cool. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, oh, Brian Brookerman points out something that I forgot to mention last week uh, about King's Bounty. Um, he says, uh, the game wasn't originally developed as this. It's a sequel to an 18-year-old game and the prequel to the Might and Magic series called King's Bounty. The similarity is no coincidence. Also, that's why it has a generic title. Also, because it's a Russian game. They're kind of bad at that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Brian's totally correct. I totally so forgot to mention it's, this. It's, it's the sequel to the predecessor to Might and Magic. Exactly. Um, they're mm, both crazy. The original King's Bounty was developed by New World Computing, if you guys remember those guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they went on to make the Might and Magic games and the Heroes of Might and Magic games, which, become, which became much better known. Right. And those are the ones I played. I never played the original King's Bounty, but I was I was aware of of New World and all and that, all that stuff they did because of the Might and Magic games. Crazy. Um, so yeah, King's Bounty is a weird like franchise reboot of like this ancient, uh, almost two decade old predecessor to a better known thing. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I remember that. Right. Yeah. And then Ubisoft <laughs> eventually got their got a hold of the Might and Magic franchise. Right. Um. And this past weekend actually had a sale on Heroes of Might and Magic Five. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which I bought. I bought the pack for like. 12 bucks and it comes with all the expansions and uh i'm curious after after i'm done with king's bounty to play here's my magic 5 and see how these two different modern interpretations of essentially the same lineage have turned out so hopefully i'll be able to report back on that in a future episode cool so yeah thanks brian you're correct and i forgot <laughs> you win the one versus 100 <laughs> uh matt crampy writes terrible company names he suggests platinum games he says, seriously, how generic? And the worst bit is how that's what Clover was renamed to. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. Yeah. I think Clover's a way better name than Platinum Games. Yeah. Also, I can't speak for you guys, but I, I've been really disinterested in the stuff that's been, that Platinum Games has been coming out with, which is disappointing because I thought Clover was so cool. Yeah. I, Mad World is not that interesting to me. It's, I mean, there's so many examples of crazy over-the-top shit. And then Bayonetta is like that. Bayonetta is even less appealing to me. I haven't really it's, seen much of Bayonetta. I, can, I, I absolutely can't stand the character design at all. Yeah. I think it looks like garbage. I mean, I really think it looks like crap. Um, I just want to see what Shinji Mikami's up to because that guy's a badass. Yeah. Um, that guy's, I think, amazing. I mean, he made Resident Evil 4. He made the original Resident Evil and then Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Which is an amazing yes. – res- I mean, to say, like, those are the two you made? Right, yeah. Good job. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well done. And um, God Hand, right? And God Hand, exactly, yeah, which God which we love. And I did not, I don't think, get the, get the proper recognition. But Jake and I really like that game. Did you play it, Nick? Yeah. Yeah, what did you think? Sweet. Yeah. 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 All right, so good. All thumbs, all about God Hand. That game was sweet. Um, so I'm really curious what Mikami's going to do next. I don't, I don't think he's given any concrete example, but he's the he's the platinum guy that I'm that I'm really I'm I'm particularly curious about. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. But yeah, that's not the greatest name either. 
<laughs> um, what else do we have here? Oh man, here we go. <laughs> this is from Jeff Lasall. Dear Idle Thumbs, I enjoy the podcast greatly, but I've become concerned about Jake's self-image ever oh, since yeah. that Big Bird email. His comments on the cast indicate he's taking it pretty hard. Personally, I think Jake looks more like some dude you'd see doing stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is great. Like maybe playing basketball or shopping at a store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I would not expect him to be on a children's show, or at least not for long before the police arrived. <laughs> He also provides a valuable service as the podcast cop. His frequent sudden irritation reigning in Remo's and Nick's tendency to endlessly avoid whatever point they were trying to make. <laughs> and he can be pretty funny and manages to say smart things about video games despite never playing them. <laughs> this guy has... Is, I almost wrote back when I got that saying, this is the best email I've ever received. Yeah, yeah. This, is the most, this is the most... Uh, aware uh, insightful I email yeah. I ever... also man if ever there was a compliment that also came with the back of a hand like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah backhand included yes, yes. Yeah. Um, in he... slow motion my face is just like being <laughs> mushed against the wall yeah like... with his other hand giving you a thumbs right, up exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright he continues it's not over uh, <laughs> One negative comment, though. This is this is horrible. Uh, one negative comment. The last podcast with just Remo and Jake was uncomfortably erotic. Maybe it was the lead-in <laughs> or something, but I had this image of you two sitting in a candlelit apartment, wine glasses on the table, chairs a little too close together. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not what I'm trying to get out of the Auto Thumbs podcast. <laughs> Thankfully, you spliced in. Oh, my God. Thankfully, you spliced in some Steve Gaynor near the end, and the image evaporated. That guy kills the sexual tension in any situation. <laughs> oh, my God. Love what you're doing, Jeff. That is a great Man, email. this guy wins. Unfortunately, we've wins created these people, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This, um, <laughs> Michael Knight writes, the album art URL on the RSS feed has been broken for a while. So we'll fix that, hopefully. <laughs> Wait, you're reading that? <laughs> um, Blame Doug Tobacco. Yeah. He'll hear this. Did we already read the guy who had nightmares? No. You were oh, talking about nightmares uh, last week, and then like as as I when I got home, yeah. I saw this email. I was like, I have had... Horrible things have caused me to wake up in the middle of the night. It was after after Did your. Did you reply to it? Someone replied to it. I sent it to you. Oh 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 okay. All right. So here we go. Brent Brent Amaral writes. Hey guys, I usually listen to podcasts as I'm tuning in to help me get to sleep, but I wanted to know your Nintendo Help Robot voice pretty much gave me nightmares. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's oh man, this is total coincidence. Yeah, it's the new this Silent before, Hill sound before yeah. the nightmare was released. Okay. <laughs> What? Before, Before the nightmare. Also, we've, we've released a nightmare into your home. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, Click the verses button on autothumbs.net and you'll see this nightmare. <laughs> All right. So Brent continues. I was just starting to fall asleep with the pod blast of the 18th running and the wee noise was loud enough to startle me back awake and the computer voice freaking out was the last thing I heard before I put my headphones aside and fell back asleep. As a preface, I read something about the remake that's coming came out where the coming or came out where the Silent Hill Netherworld transformation will happen while you're playing instead of in cutscenes. So basically that all melded together into a strange collaboration where my dream was I was playing the next Silent Hill but I was also living inside it and I was trying to find someone I think and at various points the world would become all freaky and People would start walking around, would all stare at me and turn into demons and kill me. I wanted to say someone's mail already ended up with you talking about dreaming video games, so there goes my potential for a question tie-in. Well, this guy had an amazing tie-in that he didn't even know about, so yeah. well done. Weird sound effects causing horrible <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah, that's incredible. Also a Silent Hill involved. Right. Man, weird. So maybe there is something I think we're this. all living in Silent Hill. Um, let's see here. Uh, in conclusion? Yeah. I think we might be pretty much caught up on reader mail at this point. We probably missed some older weeks, actually. Oh, here we go. 
Uh, Casey Calder up writes, hey, guys, do you think if you pointed two big – oh, my God. Do you think if you pointed two big enough TVs equipped with Project Natal at each other and ran Peter Molyneux's form, forthcoming masterpiece Milo on 360s, the Milos would converse? What would they talk about? Thanks, Casey Calder up. That's a good question. That's really hilarious. <laughs> I think the Earth would actually implode and <laughs> yeah. create a black hole. Yeah. Create a, a like Molyneux singularity. Right. <laughs> yeah. That would probably happen. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that the, would entail. The sun but I don't sort want of to just turns around and it. it's Molyneux's face smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing. Oh my, oh my god. Yeah. The the cursor hand starts slapping you around. <laughs> yeah. Both Milos would c- crawl out of the TVs. <laughs> right. Actually, that <laughs> yeah, was more what I was originally thinking. Yeah. 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 And then he helps you with your- <laughs> And then haunts your dreams. Yeah. Do you need help with your homework? No, Milo. God. <laughs> Get away, please. <laughs> just, oh my god. I've already got A's and everything. People think I'm weird. <laughs> Yeah, people think I'm cheating. Um, you are cheating. <laughs> Milo, stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, is that all we got? Idle thumbs. Idle thumbs. Uh, one. <laughs> oh, man. You guys are lame. Well, we're cutting that part out. Yeah. Video game. If you point to two Milo TVs next to their Peter Molyneux himself will actually just walk out of one. <laughs> Why did, did that, you that do noise? Video game. Here's a tip. Here's a tip. When recording a podcast, always choose a day in which a parade is being held. <laughs> Pretty sure every time we've ever done a weekend recording, there's a parade. <laughs> I know, it's amazing. We've done like three ever, and they've all had parades. <laughs> It adds atmosphere. It's, it's, we love it's, it's, it adds immediacy. They're all out there because they hear there's a pod blast being recorded in here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Beatles. It's true. Except we're not cool enough to be on the roof. We're sort of midway up the building. I hear there's a pod blast in there. <laughs> <laughs> Gay pride! Wait, what? <laughs> 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 <Ba-boo>. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna open the door here and listen. The wizard. What? The- <laughs> yeah. Do the wizard. Puffins. <laughs> Say puffins. Right, that's, the enough, that's enough of the game. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, record the the thing being open and then it's insert. The wizard. <laughs> Talk about Far Cry Two. Yes, yeah, puffins. <laughs> uh, that's enough of that. <laughs> Video game. Ah. You're recording that though. You are. Hooray. <laughs> and we're back. We're going to mix these in. <laughs>